We are in Genesis chapter 21, so we're picking up where we've left off previously, Genesis chapter 21, and we're reading from verse 22, Genesis 21, 22. Now it came about at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke with Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do, now therefore swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my offspring or with my posterity. But according to the kindness that I have shown to you, you shall show to me and to the land in which you have sojourned. Abraham said, I swear it. But but Abraham complained to Abimelech because of the well of water which the servants of Abimelech had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor did I hear it until today. And Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. Then Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. Abimelech said to Abraham, What can, what do these seven ewe lambs mean which you have set by themselves? He said, You shall take these seven ewe lambs from my hand, so that it may be witness to me that I dug this well. Therefore he called that place Beersheba, because there are two, there the two of them took an oath. So, they made a covenant at Beersheba, and Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, arose and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistine for many days. Okay, so we have seen before Abimelech, and that was back in chapter in, in chapter 20, so the chapter before this, we had seen Abimelech. Abimelech was the king of Gerar, the, the king of Gerar. So Abimelech was the king of Gerar, and and um, Abraham had had a, had a dealing with him before. So Abraham had come into the land into that part of the area, and and uh, Abimelech was the king of that city. That was a city state, but it encompassed that whole area, and he had seen. Abraham's wife, Sarah. And he took Sarah to be in his harem, to be one of his wives. Now, Sarah was 90 years old at the time, so why is the man interested in a 90-year-old woman? Well, it's not just... You know, we get this feeling that, that if, if a guy is going to marry a woman, that, that the guy has got to find her physically attractive. Well, if he's got a huge harem... That may not have been his motivation. He saw this dignified woman who was coming from with, with Abraham who was claiming that that was not his wife but his sister and he wanted to marry into that family and so it was a way to have an alliance with a family and also she's a very dignified lady. And so men don't just find very physically attractive women attractive, they find dignified women attractive as well. And so, so um, physically attractive women, men may find them attractive just, just for something, for, for an evening, or for a date. But actually, really what people are looking for very often is someone who is much deeper if they're thinking about someone for a spouse. Someone much deeper 
than just the physical. And so that there was a draw there. And so he took her in and it turned out that God said to Abimelech, spoke to him in a dream, Abimelech, you are a dead man. This is all in chapter 20 because you've taken another man's wife. And he says, Lord, I didn't know. How would I, how could I have known? He said it was his sister and he went to Abraham. He says, why have you wronged me in this way? And Abraham said, well, because I thought there was no fear of God in this place. And so I said that she was, she was my wife. That she, she was my, my sister. And so Abimelech gave her back. He had never touched her. He had never touched her. It was that very first, that first day that she was in the harem. He had never touched her. And, uh, and so then what happened was uh, he, he goes back and God restores it. So this is the same Abimelech. Abimelech is not the name of a man. Abimelech is a title, much like Pharaoh, much like president or governor is a title. And in fact, in chapter 21, verse 22, it talks about Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of the army. Phicol is another title. It's like saying general. There's a, there's a former general at Rice and, and I never call him by his name. I, whenever I see him, I say, I say, good afternoon, general. And he says, good afternoon, professor. And so they're just using titles back and forth. But that, that's, these are the titles. And they say something very interesting to Abraham. They say, God is with you in all that you do. And we're going to follow up on that verse. But then what happens is, he comes to Abraham. He is king of this area. And he said to Abraham, you can use any land of mine that you want. He saw God was with him and he, he allowed Abraham to use any land he wanted. Unlike Pharaoh, when he had had that run-in with Pharaoh, Pharaoh said, you know, take your wife and just go. I want nothing to do with you. He threw him out of, uh, out of Egypt and led him out of Egypt. But here, here Abimelech was very good to him. And Abimelech wanted to make a covenant with Abraham because remember, we had seen Abraham long time before. He had thousands of people with him. So at this time, he may have five or 10,000 people in his entourage. Abraham's become quite a powerful person, even though he's quote-unquote nomadic. He's worth making an alliance with. Remember, he had defeated five kings at one point. Very strong, strong uh, group of people he has, trained fighting men. So Abimelech wants to make an alliance with him. Why, did, why can't he just say, let's make an alliance? Because he can't trust Abraham. Abraham once before had done something that really got him in a lot of trouble with God. He said, you swear to me, you'll never be bad to me or to my children or to my posterity, my children's children. And Abraham said, I swear it. And they made a covenant. And so it says in verse 27, And Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. So they made a covenant because now they had a covenant. They couldn't break this covenant. Abraham would never attack Abimelech. Abimelech would never attack Abraham. And their children will never attack each other and their grandchildren would never attack each other. But then Abraham, at this very time, brings up a point of contention. Abraham says, I dug a well and your men have taken that well. And so why bring it up at this time? Well, it's actually a very good time to bring it up. When you're in business, you understand that. When somebody wants something from you in business, it's exactly the time to deal with the other problems. So, so for example, in the university, I, I don't work out in the business world a lot. I work much more in the university. The university will never give a raise to a faculty member. I mean, they give a raise. It's like half a percent per year until they get an outside offer. Once the, the faculty member gets an offer from another university outside, then they think, wow, this person must be really good. They're, they're getting an outside offer. And your salary can double 
or even triple overnight. So, you, you take something and you use it as a negotiating point and the professor can say, oh, and by the way, it's not just a salary thing, how about my labs that are, you know, all run down? And so they remodel the labs. It's, it's, it's a time for negotiation. You want a covenant with me? By the way, your men have taken my well. I dug that well. And so he says, we're going to have also a deal on this well. And Abimelech says, look, I don't know which one of my men did this. This is the first I've heard about it. You've never told me about this before. See, in verse 26, then Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this. You didn't tell me, nor did I hear of it until today. So Abim- And so Abraham accepts this. And, and that happens. You have an organization. A lot of things happen in the organization. And the CEO, a lot of times, like, I had no idea. This is commonplace. This sort of thing happens. Abimelech accepts that. that and Abimelech, I mean, Abraham accepts that. And, and Abraham gives him seven lambs. And this was unusual because, because uh, um, Abimelech said in verse 29, Abimelech said to Abraham, what do these seven ewe lambs mean which you have set by themselves? And he said, you shall take these seven ewe lambs from my hand so that it may be a witness to me that I dug this well. Therefore, they call the place Beersheba. Uh, in Hebrew, Sheva is, is the number seven. And, and this, this word bear is, is well. So seven, there were seven new lambs, this well. So this, this, is, this is how it gets the name Beersheba and was called Beersheba from that day. It was called Beersheba. And you may say, well, earlier on in the chapter, in verse 14, they reference the city Beersheba. They're speaking, they're speaking in reference to this, that that's what the city is going to be named. And, and, uh, and so this is the deal. He says, okay, you, you want to have this covenant with me? I just want you to make sure this is my well. He says, none of my men will ever take this well from you again. Because water was a scarce resource. And so it, it says in, in, verse, in verse 32, so they made a covenant at Beersheba. And Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, arose and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba. And there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistine for many day, land of the Philistines for many days. This is again speaking proleptically, which means that there were no Philistines in the land at that time. The Philistines didn't come into the land until 1200 BC. Abraham's living about 2000 BC. So it's going to be many hundreds of years before the Philistines even come into that land. The Philistines came in from Greece. You say, well, why do they call it the land of the Philistines? Well, we do the same thing because this is being written. This was all orally transmitted. And this is being written many years later. This is being written. And so we do the same thing. So, for example, we may say the early settlers to the Americas, before the Americas were even called Americas, the early settlers to the Americas went up through Canada and then came down over by the Great Lakes. Well, Canada didn't even come to be until like the 1860s. So how could the early settlers in the 15 and 1600s have come through Canada? Canada didn't exist. But we use that as a reference point to let people know where, where the, the land was that the people came around. So we still speak proleptically uh, uh, that today, 
we still speak about it in reference predominantly to areas, to, to regions of land. And that's exactly what's taking place here. Now, let's think about what's happening here in verse 22. God is with you in all that you do. Abimelech sees that God is with Abraham in all that he does. God is with you in all that you do. God is with you. And then in verse 33, it says, And Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, meaning that he's going to hang out there for a while. Yes, he's nomadic, but he's, he still lives in tents, but he's going to establish some roots there. And he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. This is public worship. He called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. He establishes public worship for him and his family. And it's said up there, God is with you in everything that you do. So here is Abimelech, who has a fear of God, doesn't know the God of Abraham, but he certainly has a fear of God. We learn of that in chapter 20. And he says, God is with you in everything you do. I mean, you're amazing, Abraham. Everything you do, God is with you. And it's not like because you're such of an, an upright guy. I mean, you're the guy who lied to me about your wife and got me in a lot of trouble. You're the guy I got to get to swear and make this covenant because I don't believe you otherwise. But God is with you in everything you do. Can God be with a person in everything that they do? This is a man who set up worship as a part of his life. He set up an establishment of worship as part of his life. This is a tremendous Sunday for us to hit on this passage because it's it's sort of this, this fresh start Sunday as you're just coming, many of you now coming into college again and, and, and getting a fresh start. There is a way that God can be with you in all that you do. And I really feel that God is with me in all that I do. You know, somebody was asking me last week, you know, what's the thing that you like least about your job? And I said, well, it's asking for money. And, and uh, I write grant proposals continuously, writing grant proposals, uh, trying to get money into the research group. But, you know, on the other side of it, it makes me better. To write grant proposals makes me better. What happens is, is there, there's a, sometimes American professors will get hired to work in Germany or in Switzerland. And that comes with it a guaranteed 12 positions or 14 positions when you go and work there. So you don't have to even ask for money. It just comes. And you can track the creativity of that professor from when they left the U.S. till they went to Germany in this cushy position where they didn't have to write for money. The creativity level goes way down. I've seen it many, many times. And remember, we view each other in the sciences by our creativity. What papers are you writing? So when you have to fight for money by writing proposals, it makes you all the more creative. I've got to figure this thing out. And you'll see when you have to sit down and write a proposal, you go, you, you just, you know, you, you start getting all these neurons firing that you normally wouldn't have to have get firing. So even in the parts that I don't like, it's good for me. It's good for me. And, and there are things that God has in our lives. And I can look over my life that God is with me in everything I do. God is with me. How do you get this? What did the scriptures say about this? And we're going to look at some of the scriptures. Turn to Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1. We're going to start reading from verse 7. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. So Joshua 
chapter 1, Joshua's about six books into the Old Testament, reading from verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So I'm not the one just saying this. Abimelech is not the one just saying this. Moses is telling Joshua, God can be with you wherever you go. Well, how does that happen? How does God be with us wherever we go? Well, he spells it out here. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. How does it not depart from our mouth? It means that we're constantly in this word, constantly in it. And I will get a verse and boom, it hits me and I'll just be saying that verse all day. And I say it enough that all of a sudden I've memorized it. It's become a part of my life. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. The scriptures do not talk about memorization. It doesn't talk about memorizing the word of God. It talks about meditation. Meditation is making it a part of your life. I can memorize a formula. But if I work that formula over and over again, I don't have to memorize it anymore. It's become a part of my life. It's the same with the Scriptures. I can take the Scriptures and just meditate upon them enough that they become a part of my life. You meditate on this book. This is what he says. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. The Scriptures put it two ways. Some places it says day and night. Other places it says every day. If you pick up the Word of God and read it once a week or twice a week or three times a week, there is no promise of goodness in your life. Maybe there's good, maybe there isn't. There's no such promise. The promise is for every day. You know what every day means? That means seven days a week. You say, well, you know, I'm busy five days of the week. Too bad. You pick up the Word of God and you meditate on it. You start your morning by meditating on it. You want God to be with you in everything you do? You take this book and you make it your daily meditation. What I am trying to do is to convey to you the earnestness that I have in picking up this Word of God and doing it. And I know everybody is trying to treat young people very nice, saying, would you please do this? I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say, do it. Do it. For your own good, do it. God will be with you in everything you do. He will bless you in your work. He will bless you in your, in your, in, in, in your computer work, in your laboratory work. He will bless you in your lectures. Whatever you do, He will bless you. He will be part of your life. The promise is only made day and night or every day in the Word of God. If you have not been in the Word of God every day, you start this day, let that be your practice. He says, and God will be with you wherever you go. That's what He says. Well, does it does it talk about this anywhere else? Yes, it talks about this a lot of different places. So if you turn, if you turn to, for example, um, to, to, uh, let's, let's turn to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Psalm 1. This is a beautiful psalm. 
Psalm 1, reading from verse 1. Psalm 1, verse 1. How blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor, st- nor, uh, uh, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. There it is again. And in his law he meditates day and night. And what's the outcome of that? In his law he meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. There it says it. You say, this is a prosperity gospel. No. The prosperity that I'm talking about is a depth of relationship with God. So that whatever comes upon you, God is still with you. And the things that hit our lives, the same things that hit all sorts of people's lives. But it's God is with me. You make this word, your daily meditation, it says you'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. That's the promise. It's not up to me to keep that promise. My God is trustworthy. I believe Him. He is faithful. He will keep that with you. If you keep your side, to take the Word of God and make it your daily meditation. If you do it, you will be greatly blessed. If you don't, you won't. The wicked are not so, it says, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the sinners will perish. When everybody else is drying up around you, when everyone else is drying up around you, you'll be flourishing. That's what it says. That's what it says. And I've been, you, you know, get, getting grant money and running a research group, it, it's, it's so cyclical. It's like a sine wave. I mean, sometimes there's grant money and sometimes it runs out and, and, and people go through seasons. I mean, God has continually taken care of me. This is, this is my 31st year as a professor. And God has just blessed my group over and over again. A lot of times it's been hard, and then, but still, the blessing has been there. Over and over again, the Scriptures tell us that these things can take place, that these things are true. Let's, let's turn, uh, uh, for example, to some, Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 97. Psalm 119, verse 97. I've probably spent more time meditating on this portion that I'm going to share with you right now out of Psalm 119 than any other portion in the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You see it again there. Oh, I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. It's all the day. It is my meditation. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. And I understand more than the age, because I have observed your precepts. I've restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. Look at the blessings that come by making the Word of God your daily meditation. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Okay, what is the outcome of that? Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I was in graduate school, and I remember taking hold of this verse and just meditating on this verse because I was making a compound which was the male sex pheromone of the bull weevil. You say, well, why were you making that? 
Well, you want to control the boll weevil, you want to be able to make the, the sex pheromones for them. And the boll weevil is unusual in that the male attracts the female. And if you can make the sex pheromone, you can just put it in a little box and then all the females will come in and they don't ever get out because there's poison in there to kill them. And it draws them and you just need a little bit of pheromone. And that's actually how the boll weevil is controlled. But So I was working on this synthesis via a certain route. To, 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 uh, 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 it, it has a four-membered ring via a certain route. And when, when I was working on this synthesis, my boss came in. He says, oh, so-and-so was visiting the lab today, and he told me Leo Paquette is working on the same molecule by the same route. And I'm just a graduate student. Leo Paquette was like king. He was super good synthetic chemist. He was at Ohio State University, amazing synthetic chemist. He had made dodecahedrane and all these amazing molecules. And I was like, whoa, Leo Paquette? I'm competing with Leo Paquette? I was just a little graduate student. And I went to prayer. And I just started to say, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. I said, Lord, give me insight. Give me insight in this. And we beat Leo Paquette. He never even published. I mean, we came out with this grand publication on the, the synthesis of the uh, of uh, uh, Brandisol, which, is, which was the sex pheromone. And uh, uh, Leo Paquette never published anything on it. Because... You know, we, we want, we want, the Word of God is true. The Word of God is true. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers for your testimonies or, or my meditation. I have had the great blessing of working for great people. Great people. But the promise for God, of God is, I will give you more insight than all your teachers for your testimonies or my meditation. The Bible promises me that it give me more insight than my mentors if I follow the Word of God. I remember I was teaching this verse to my children and my daughter was about eight years old and, and I read this to her and she says, so then we're going to be smarter than you. <laughs> I said, if you get in the Word of God, certainly. I give you more insight than all your teachers for your testimonies or my meditation. It doesn't say than just Bible teachers. It doesn't say that. It says than all your teachers. If you will get in the Word of God, He will give you more insight than all your teachers. That's the promise. Believe it. That's the promise of the Word of God. What happens, the shame of life is that so many believers go through life without taking hold of what the Word of God says. Let's 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 look in the New Testament what it has to say. Let's turn to um to John, the Gospel according to John. We'll turn to John chapter fourteen, reading from verse twenty one. John fourteen twenty one. This is what Jesus said. John fourteen twenty one. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him, and we will dis- and I will love him, and will disclose myself to him. So he says, "He who has my commandments and keeps them." The way you get the commandments of God in your life is to read the Word of God. He who has my commandments and keeps them, you get in the Word of God. You cannot know what God has for you without getting in the Scriptures. You cannot. You say, "Well, the Holy Spirit just tells me." You're going to be led astray. Because there's lots of voices that speak to us. A lot of times it's our own voice that speaks to us. And I have, I have lots of data points on that. You know, sometimes I'm driving and I feel God says, 
just turn around a corner and you'll find a parking space right there. And I go around the corner, there's no parking space. It, it just proved to me that I have the ability to speak to myself. It wasn't God. If it had been God, there would have been a hundred parking spaces wide open for me. Let's skip down to verse verse, uh, um, verse 23 of, of John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. God is with you in everything you do, Abimelech said. Moses said to Joshua, And God will be with you wherever you go. And Jesus said, we will come to him and make our abode with him. We will just set up camp with him. Who is the we that Jesus is talking about? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So in other words, yeah, yeah, I love Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's sort of nebulous. What do you mean love? Yeah, I love Jesus. You prove to me that you love me by keeping my word. It's not, you know, saying hallelujah ten times or... or Hail Mary's ten times. He says, you, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. This is how we show our love for God. We keep his word. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. What's the result of keeping his word? My Father will love him. And we will come to him. That's Jesus and his Father. We will come to him and make our abode with him. When you become a believer, the Holy Spirit makes His abode in your heart. You want Jesus and His Father living there as well? He says, we will come to Him and make our abode with Him. We will be so with you in everything you you do. We will be so with you. We will set up an abode with you. That's what Jesus is saying. If anyone loves me, you love the Son, the Father will love you. You love the Son, the Father will love you. You cannot love Jesus too much. Pour out your love on Him. You love the Son, the Father will love you. Those who are nice to my children, I love them. You want want me to like you a lot? Be nice to my children. You be nice to my children, and I will like you. It's the same with any parent. You be nice to their children, they will like you. There are certain people that have been very good to my children. One is a man named Skip McBride. Been very good to my children. I love that man. I'll do anything for that man because he's been so good to my children. It works with God too. You love his son and he will love you. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You get in the word of God and you keep his commandments. This comes through relationship. Everything is through relationship. Abraham set up public worship and Abimelech recognized God is with you in everything you do. You this day, this day, you wake up in the morning and you get with the Word of God. You say, well, I'm, you know, I'm just so much going on in the morning. Wake up a little bit earlier. Because if you leave it to the end of the day, there's nothing left. I've been there. I've seen it. There's nothing left. All these things start happening and you're too tired and you're like... You go to bed earlier so that you can start your day a little earlier and spend time with the Lord. Spend time with the Lord. I've been doing this since I was an undergraduate. I spend time with the Lord every morning, every morning. I have read this book, this Bible, for over 40 years every day of my life. Every day. I think there may have been one day that I had the flu that I slept through an entire day. 
But other than that, I have had this book as a part of my life every single day. You say, well, how do you read it? Do you just flip it open? No. What I do, so I go to page number one, and I start reading in Genesis chapter one, verse one. Then I read all the way through to get to Revelation chapter 22, and then I stop and I start again. It works. It works. I read every word in this book over and over again for over 40 years. It works. If you don't know the Lord, I challenge you this day, come to know Him. Jesus has paved the way for you. Jesus has died for you. God demonstrated His love for you by giving His Son on your behalf. He demonstrated His love for you by giving His Son on your behalf. He loves you so much. If you do not know the Lord today, this is what I ask you to do. I ask you to come to my home for lunch. So after this, we're going to invite you to my home for lunch. And I want you to come today to lunch. And I will sit with you and tell you about how Jesus died for you. And I will give you the gospel message. I will give you that today, personally. I will do that personally for you. If you come to my house, if you do not know the Lord, I ask you, please come over to my house today for lunch. I will serve you lunch. My wife will serve you lunch. I won't serve you anything. My wife will serve you lunch. She serves. I talk. And, and, and I, will, I will give you the gospel. I'll give you the gospel. And you will get saved today. You will get saved. The gospel is powerful and you will get saved today. Every week we see people saved in my home. Every week. Last week we saw somebody saved. The week before there were five people saved. The week before that there were five people saved. You will get saved today. You come over to my house. Let me share the gospel with you. You will get saved. And if you, if you are a believer, you're welcome to come over too. I mean, we have lots of believers come. You're welcome to. But I particularly want the unbelievers. And I urge you to please come and at least let me tell you the gospel. If you want to reject, fine. But at least... Let me tell you the gospel so that you understand. You may say, well, I've heard the gospel before. Hear it from me. Hear it from me. Hear the gospel message from me. I love the message. It never grows old for me. And that gospel message will save your soul today so that you can have God with you in everything that you do. Believer, take up the word of God. Make it a part of your life starting this day. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the truth of your word. And I pray, Lord, today for the unbelievers that are here, that they would take this this message and see, how could I get God to be with me in everything I do? Father, I pray that they would come and hear the gospel message, that they would come to my home and get saved this day. And Lord, I believe your word because it says, they shall come. And they shall sit at the table in the kingdom of God. From the east and the west and the north and the south, they shall come. Lord, I pray you open up their hearts today. And Father, for the believers here, as they're starting a new semester and a new season in their lives, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would so work and move in their lives that they would establish a time as Abraham did, where he established and he called on the name of the Lord. 
and he planted a tree and he had a fresh start. Father, I pray that they would get a fresh start in the Word of God and they would understand what it is to be in the Bible every day of their lives. That they would take hold of the commandments of Jesus and obey them and thereby show their love for Jesus. And then, Lord, I know that you will follow through on your word to make your abode and your Father's abode with them so that God could be with them in whatever they do. Father, please draw them to your Son, I pray. Draw them to Jesus who is good and holy and righteous and honorable and kind and gracious in every way. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. You are so good to us. So good. Everything is because of you. Because of your goodness in dying for us, you have opened the door. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.